we make these false benchmarks for ourselves Mm -hmm. and we have to graduate and validate ourselves. And so it takes a lot of that inner work. It takes detaching from those narratives and it takes really owning those unique things about yourself and practice it. Like it, it doesn't come overnight. It takes like brave step, brave step, brave step until you get there. Hi, Offscripters. It's your host, Sewa Ajay Pele, and welcome to episode 135 of the She's Offscript podcast. This is a show where we hear and learn from women who've created unique blueprints for their business success. My hope is that you'll hear their stories and translate their gems into a unique path for yourself. In today's episode, we meet Rhonda Khan, who's a speech language pathologist who left traditional practice to now deliver public speaking training to women through her company, Simply Speech Solutions. During our conversation, Rhonda walks us through her process for launching the public speaking careers of her clients. During our conversation, she talks about the power of vulnerability in speaking, how to write a signature speech, how to pitch the right stages, how much to charge, and so much more. Before we hear the rest of Rhonda's story, I would love it if you could subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes or wherever you're listening to podcasts. This will help to spread the word about our show so amazing stories like Rhonda's can continue to inspire women looking to launch their own off-script journeys. With that, let's go off-script with the founder of Simply Speech Solutions and the Catalyst Academy, Rhonda Khan. Rhonda Khan, welcome to She's Off Script. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So for anyone who hasn't come across you before, could you share who you are and what you do? Yes, I am Rhonda Khan and I am the founder of Simply Speech Solutions. And I am extremely passionate and on a mission to amplify the voices of women of color. So I started off as a speech pathologist and an actor. And after years of of doing all of that work and a bit of becoming a mom, I decided to combine everything that I learned to support people with amplifying their voices. And now with my work, I specifically have programming that I work with women of color. I have a program called the Catalyst Academy, an incubator for women of color. I work with companies and help to train their teams and to support their employees who are marginalized. And I also speak and train myself. And I'm a podcast host, just like you. I have a podcast called Oversharing with Rhonda. So I'm always talking and I'm always trying to uplift. Oh, I love that. But now you say you started out as a speech therapist. So what was that transition into business ownership like for you, especially since you were doing the same thing, but now you're doing it in a different capacity? All right. So let's get into that story, girl. So <laughs> <laughs> let's go back to, I don't know, 2015. I think that's the time to talk about that when I was in a transition myself. So I had been, I go, I'd gone to school to be a speech pathologist, got my master's certified in that. I worked in schools, worked with small children, worked with some adults. And at the same time, and this is, you know, before 2015, I was a working actor. And so I would be going to the school and then going to auditions. And then I've quit my job to be an actor and I've I've gone back to work and back and forth. And so I was in that back and forth cycle. And in 2015, I did some really transformative personal work. And I was like, okay, 
I know that probably I don't want to be a clinical speech pathologist anymore. I love the foundation of the work. I love to help people. But I also have always had this actor, playwright, creative space here. At the time, I had wrote a one-woman show called Food. I'd written a a show called Food about my relationship with food. It's an emotional comedy. And I started to do it in multiple places. I say I had a mini tour where I did it in New York. I did it in Los Angeles, back home in Illinois, where I'm from. I'm from Chicago. And then somewhere around this figuring out I'm doing something different, doing my show, I got pregnant (laughs) with my Mm. son. And that was exciting because I was like, hey, we're going to keep the party going. I had a little bump and still like doing things. I was also working at a firm in Manhattan to do like professional speech pathology, which is something like for those who want to improve certain skills for executive leadership or people who have accents that they feel like limit their communication. They do like accent modification work. And there was some presentation work in there. And I was also still seeing kids. So I was doing a little bit of everything, girl, and pregnant. But then I know we're both mothers. I had a pregnancy complication that put me on bed rest. (laughs) And yes. And because of that, I ended up losing a lot of my work because a lot of it was in person. We weren't as Zoom savvy as we are. And it was just about keeping, you know, making sure I had a healthy pregnancy. So everything worked out. The baby came and I was a stay-at-home mom unplanned for about four or five months. No, actually it was about six months. And around that time, I was like, okay, I don't want to go back to full-time work. I don't want to go back to doing all of the things. Everything has changed as it does as mothers. What can I do that can combine all the things that I know how to do to support people? And so becoming a public speaking coach is what happened. And it was like, I combine the skills of being a speech pathologist, combine the skills of being an actor. And I've been a lifelong performer, public speaker. And gradually it just started with a client being like, hey, are you still on maternity leave that I used to work with? And like, I actually need some help. And so that was like my very first client. And then people just started to, I started to put myself out there. People started to find me. It happened really, really slowly because I still was taking care of baby. I was nursing. I was like in that space, but you know, I, I created a workshop and I'm like, how about I do this as a co-working space? So it was, it was, it was very subtle. Nothing explicitly taught me how to run a business growing up with my, with my skill set in a healthy mm. profession and performance, but there are transferable skills in both of those that have supported me in becoming a business owner. And so I've had to learn a lot as I've grown. And so from 2017, when I first got my LLC to now, it has been just a transformation of me learning how to A, deliver my service, B, how to grow and evolve my business because it teaches you and you change. And Mm -hmm. then the phase that I'm in now, which is how to really serve the people that want to work with me and that I am deeply passionate about serving in the most impactful way. And so that is the story, girl. (laughs) Wow. As with anything, there are always the ups and downs. But Mm -hmm. today, as you said, you're helping women launch their speaking careers or get on speaking stages. So in today's environment, post-2020, is it realistic for someone to expect that they can actually have a fully fledged out career as a public speaker or even really earn any significant income as a speaker? 
Absolutely 117,000%. And here's why. We figured out real quick how to do Zoom. We figured out really quickly Mm -hmm. how to do virtual conferences. Virtual speaking is something that I had always done. I'd always done virtual sessions with my clients. But when I tell you that right now, people are literally growing speaking careers and it's not all about the money, but it's about the money, booking four and five figure speaking engagements regularly that have never done it. I've had it in my own program, people doing that. And people, the great way about, it's unfortunate. Like I love speaking in person. There's something that is missed. And we have to be honest about that when you're not when you're doing virtual versus speaking in person, Mm -hmm. because you get the energy of the people in the room. And and a lot of my work, when I teach about virtual speaking, is like, you have to create that energy exchange. It's not just going to come. But at the same time, virtual speaking has invited so many more opportunities for people to see your work. And so like the, whereas some people may have not been able to travel to the conference or had the conference fees, they dropped fees, they made it more mm-hmm. accessible. And so where you may have spoken to 200, you may be speaking to 150, where you may have spoken, you know, in this space, and then people get to share your content. So I feel like it's created even more opportunities for people to speak and grow and definitely get paid their worth. Okay. So then in today's environment, how does one go about finding these lucrative speaking engagements? So before you even look for a speaking engagement, you got to do some inside work. (laughs) Reel us back then. Take us back. Let's let's roll it it back. Because I think a lot of people are so eager. And when they they see the dollars, they're like, oh, you can do that just for speaking? Mm. Absolutely. Um, And it's work. It's work. It's not easy. And it takes takes a lot of strategic steps. What Mm. I always say first is you got to be mission over money. So why are you speaking? Who is your target audience? Why do they need to hear from you? Why do they need to hear your message? What is your message? Do you have a message? Do you have a talk, a signature talk? Do you, ha- do you know how to create mm-hmm. one? Do you know where to find your audience? And so really doing some of that inner work and mm-hmm. beyond just not just regular public speaking fear, anxiety. I think women of color have a specific work to do about belonging in different rooms and some inner work that has to happen there. But you're doing your work. Once you figure out who your audience is, you figure out where to find them. So where does your audience mostly lie? Are they mm-hmm. usually at some companies? Depending on what your work is, are they attending certain conferences? Are they at certain organizations and spaces? Okay. So once you have identified that, then you figure out where are the, the actual events and the, and the, the opportunities. And so let's say your, art, your audience is in certain corporations. Let's say that you specialize in messages for folks of color in tech. And mm-hmm. so maybe you want to target tech conferences. Maybe you want to target tech companies who have ERGs, affinity groups, or different special events that they want to book speakers for. And maybe you're targeting the, the leads of those organizations or the leads of those, those groups and this or that to offer whatever you've already known that you, the work that you've already done to, to serve them. And so you have, you have a pitch, you have, you have mm-hmm. something to say, and you're starting to build a relationship with these people. So let's break down some of what you've already said, because I think yeah. there's so much there. Yeah, yeah, First yeah. and foremost, you've said that specifically women of color tend to have some mindset issues right. around whether or not they even belong or should be considered experts that are qualified enough to speak. So could you break down what tools can we use to start to get over that hump and get over our fear of being in those spaces and speaking in those spaces? Yeah. 
So unfortunately, there is a lot of of systemic racism, as we know, and a lot of Mm. narratives that have been placed upon you to feel like you have to constrict yourself in a box when you go into spaces, even when there's spaces of people that look like you. And so Mm. words like professional, which I do not identify, I I, I will tell you a whole script about the word professional, but what is that and what is how you should show up? I talk about presenter mode. And if you, anybody who's followed my content will talk about that. Actually, it's my next podcast episode, but Sometimes there's a mode that I see, especially black women and women of color put up of of, Mm. this is how I'm supposed to act. And it's not your fault. It's the fault of society telling you that you have to do all these things to fit in and and different people and different experiences you've had. Mm -hmm. And the truth is what people are really coming to look for when they hear you speaking, what people really want to come back. Yes, your message is great, but they want to see you owning who you are. They want to see you taking on or connecting with those strengths that are only uniquely you that you can do. If you're a fast talker, you're a fast talker. If you're deeply passionate and emotional, you are. If you're really stoic, that's fine too. If you're mm-hmm. if you're more on the, hey, I like to keep it simple, that's you. If you have dry humor, that's you. But really owning those things and not assuming that you have to emulate or imitate qualities of other people that you've seen because mm-hmm. what they're doing, and I, I say this all the time, they're doing them. <laughs> they're yeah. doing works for them. They figured it out. But if you're trying to do them, it's not going to work out the same way. We're going to be disconnected with you. Mm. And so there's that piece. And there's the also piece. And this is what I noticed because there's some women who are like, girl, I've done my work. I've been to therapy. I do coaching. And I say, okay, so with your level of work, how come you're not speaking here? Or how come you're not getting paid X, Y, Z? And they're like, I didn't think I was ready. And I'm like, well, what's ready? Who says? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's a debate on whether imposter syndrome makes sense for us or not. I, I do actually believe it, you know, depending on the context, but like that comes up too of like, yeah. look at this body of work you've had, yet you don't feel like your words are worthy because of whatever you've assumed that that you need to be. Like we make these false benchmarks for ourselves mm-hmm. and we have to graduate and validate ourselves. And so it takes a lot of that inner work. It takes detaching from those narratives and it takes really owning those unique things about yourself. And practice it like it it doesn't come overnight. It takes like brave step, brave step, brave step until you get there. Oh, I love that. You have to graduate and qualify yourself because you are ready. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now once you've gotten over that mindset. Yeah. And you know that you are ready. You mentioned, do you know what you're going to talk about? So what are the facets of a signature speech and Mm -hmm. how do we put one together? So. That very much starts with you first identifying your audience. And there's a tool that I use called the intention triangle. I talk about it a lot in my program and the basis of the intention triangle. I won't break down all the steps, but every time we speak, it's about impacting your audience. That is the reason we speak, not to get applause, not to get approved of. And we know that cognitively, but at the Mm -hmm. same time, we get caught up in like, oh, this is going to sound good. And this is going to be that. And so you set a goal of at the end of this talk, what do I want my audience to do or feel? What do I want? Why does that matter to them? How am I going to get them to do or feel this thing? And so you got to get that clear from the beginning. And then Mm -hmm you start to just launch into the creative process. You know, you don't, what I highly recommend a lot of people, I know writing is great, but sometimes they think like, I'm going to write it all down. I believe you got to start talking about it and then write down what you say because a different part of our brain is activated 
when we talk versus when we write. And so mm-hmm. just talk through some of your ideas and just like make it messy, make it a brain dump of all the things you can. If writing is your medium, it's OK to write, but like talking, right, talking, right, talking, right. And then you look at this dump of what you have and you say, OK, what are the connected ideas and what is connected to this objective of what I want for my audience? And so you start to piece that together. You start to piece that together. And typically what this objective of a signature talk is, is your main message, like the main thing that if people know you, they're mm-hmm. going to associate you with that. And so you start to pull it and you start to make sense of it and you create a structure that makes sense to you. I like a structure called what, so what, now what? And this is not an uncommon structure. And some mm-hmm. people may have heard of it, problem, solution, benefit, if it's if it's a persuasive talk but or a pitch, but what is like, what do we care about? So what, why do we care about that? Now what? What are you going to do about it? And then you keep working and refining it until and talking it through. And there's a whole process I talk about in doing that in my Catalyst Academy. And then you have that talk and then you start testing it. You start testing mm-hmm. it. You want to test it on some, some, some low stake stuff just to see how it lands with your target audience in mind. Mm-hmm. Test it out and see, OK, I like this. I like that. And then once you start doing it, you might add things or take away. But that becomes that main talk. And the great thing about that talk is that you can develop multiple talks from your main message. So for me, my main signature talk is called Own Your Voice. And it's about how you, some stuff we talked about, how you have, how you do from the inner work to the outer work into becoming mm-hmm. a very confident speaker. And, and from that talk, I've developed so many other different types of talks. I've customized it to different audiences. I have done all the parts of thing, parts of the talk and branched out to, to a whole thing. But that's the best way that you start. And you can get your signature talk really done and refined in less than a month and you're off. You're ready. Okay. And one of the things I love hearing you talk about is the fact that sometimes vulnerability is the key to you connecting with your audience. But I also wonder how much vulnerability is too much vulnerability or is there even such a thing? So there is. (laughs) And I'm a big fan of vulnerability. If you look, there's so many Brene Brown books on my shelf. Like I am here, like you're not going to come from Brene. I'm I'm a big, Brene has been very transformative to my life and my work. Mm. But here's, here's what I'll say. You want to make sure that whatever you're sharing, you are intentional about sharing it. So it's not simply because, and I'm talking about in the terms of public speaking, not in terms Mm -hmm. of like you're in therapy or you're with a trusted friend. That's a different conversation. But if you're sharing a vulnerable story or experience in a talk, you want to make sure that I'm sharing this story to impact the audience in X, Y, Z so they can get whatever they need. And they need to hear this story to be able to blah, 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 blah. We don't share just to share. And the most important thing is, to not share anything that you haven't already worked through because it's unsafe for you. And so if mm. it's something that you're current, that that's currently challenging for you or like not healed from, that's something you want to keep between like your closest people and a licensed trained therapist or coach or something like that. So you want to keep that in mind as well. And then a great way to know about that and just to be able to detect it, being personal is fine, being private, private, are things that you would only tell five people personal or okay in a room of like 25 people I'm happy to share this okay so Mm -hmm. that's that's a good detector and if it doesn't feel right don't however 
there's so many great ways to be vulnerable without being unsafe. And I think it's, it's a matter of you checking in with yourself and understanding why you're telling this story and making sure that it's intentional and for the impact of the audience. Mm, yeah. So I think sometimes when people are nervous, it's like word vomit, right? Everything just comes out. Mm-hmm. And if you regret it, or if it really doesn't have a purpose, mm-hmm. if the desired impact actually does not land, then you probably have missed the mark with your speech. But I'm glad you outlined how we know how much is too much to share. And now that we figured out what we are going to share, what our, our signature speech is, how do we then start to reach out to the people we've identified as our key stakeholders? What do you say when you're pitching someone who's a part of an ERG group or whatever it may be? So before you even pitch, you have to make sure your stuff is together. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by stuff is that your social media is positioning you as a speaker. And this is something you can do before you have even booked anything. Because mm-hmm. the first thing all those decision makers are going to do, they're going to look you up. They're going to look at your stuff. And so oh, yeah. simple things like putting speaker in your bio, in your LinkedIn slashes, in your Instagram, in your Twitter, saying that you're a speaker, posting pictures of you speaking, even if it was something free or for work, posting pictures, talking about making a post like I'm a speaker and I speak on X, Y, Z. In LinkedIn, you can really be detailed because that about section is, is generous. It's long. And so you can really talk about like, I love to speak. I love to do this, this or that. So if you have made yourself visible, if you position yourself as a speaker, I think the next thing to do is you start looking, you, you make a list and you look up these organizations or conferences or events that knowing your target audience, where they would be. Mm-hmm. You, you pop in a spreadsheet if that's your jam, and then you start to connect with them. I think LinkedIn is a great place to do it, but you don't get to pitch in right away uh, because okay. they don't know you, right? <laughs> right. So, and so you, you make a connection and you could even say something like, I, I work with these people and I love to learn more about your work. I love to be connected with you. You start engaging with their content. You start, and you can even come from a place, what I like to say is come from a place of offering versus asking. And so when you have connected, you've been visible, you've started to build a a relationship with them, even if it's just engaging with a couple posts, you can say, hey, I like this post about X or whatever it is. I noticed that you are the ERG of, I don't know, Black and Microsoft. Let's just pick, I don't know if Mm -hmm. that's the name of their ERG. And I specifically speak about Black women and mental health and I don't know if you had a speaker or an event for Mental Health Awareness Month. It's in May, but hey, I'd love to offer you know this and you give them some information. So give them a, a, a link to, if you don't have a reel and you don't have to have a reel automate, like a, a three minute sample of you speaking or this or that or this or that. And if you, and, and offer like, if you don't, I'm still happy to stay connected for future events, this or that. And so mm-hmm. multiple things can happen, right? Like we both have podcasts. Maybe we've had people pitch to us and it, it's important to create a personal connection. And so if you can add that part in there about, you know, I really love that this content about this or I, if you have a mutual connection, but something like that. Mm-hmm. And then if they don't respond, you still keep in touch and stay consistent with them, mm-hmm. right? But usually if you've positioned yourself, if you're doing your work, 
they, you might be exactly what they're looking for. And mm. it's all about timing, right? So I think that, for instance, with your ERG example, that's, that's the approach that, that I would make. I'll share a quick story. There was a carousel that I did, like, you know, the Instagram carousel, yeah. it's a social media post that did really well this past May. And it was about virtual presenting. It was a two-part series. And it was obviously right on time because everybody all of a sudden was a public speaker now that they're using Zoom, even if right. they're not doing public speaking. And so I posted this and it did really, really well. I ended up you know, getting a Forbes nod in that like article. And that was really nice. And a company reached out to me, a very big media company asking me to speak to their ERG. And I'm thinking, oh, they saw the virtual thing. And the woman was like, I really loved your stop hiding post because I have a post about stop hiding and how we need to stop hiding and stop playing small. And that resonated with me so much because girl, I'm hiding. And she's pretty high up in this company. She was like, you know, we're trying to do some stuff for our employees. Let's hop on a call. And so this was old content. But because I had been visible and been consistent, she reached out. And that's why, mm -hmm. you know, pitching is one way. But like if you're consistently visible, talking about the things you speak about and letting people know that you're able to speak, teach, train on this, this or that, your folks will find you. A lot of it is alignment. Mm, I love that. I love that. So once you're in alignment, you've kind of taken us through this journey. And someone finally reaches out to you like, you know, you were reached out to. Mm -hmm. I know for our demographic, that pricing conversation is a tough one. I yeah. know you have people who are doing four or five figure kind of speaking engagements. Mm -hmm. Where Where is a good point to start when you're first starting out? If someone reaches out to you and says, I want you to do a Zoom talk to my whatever at my virtual conference. What's a good mark to start at? And as you get more experienced, where can you land? So in the Catalyst Academy, we have a whole growth scale. And that's what mm. I try to remind people. You can't just yeah. come in making four and five, you know, or, yeah. and, and that's, and there's more than that. There's actually, you know, celebrities make six figures sometimes when they speak and mm -hmm. what programs have they done? I'm just kidding. But, 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 but that's why I say mission first over money. In the beginning mm -hmm. stages, and there are all these several stages that I have, like you're an igniter and generator, a generator, an energizer and a catalyst. That's like the top level of the, of the scale where you are the known thought leader for whatever you do. And so mm -hmm. when you're in that igniter energizer stage, your goal is to get your message out there and, and get experience. Doesn't mean you sh still shouldn't ask, but you may be getting honorarium gigs. And honorarium, depend it depends on your number. For some people, honorarium is anything under $500. For some people, it's anything under 1000 Some people, it's anything under 2500 So it really depends on where you are. But your goal is to build momentum at that stage. And so while you shouldn't be speaking for everywhere, you're really still trying to hone your message and you're still trying to make sure that you are visible. And so perhaps you take a lower paying gig because it is an aligned audience, but it's going to mm -hmm. give you the experience that you need to be like, hey, this is something that people like. Let's do more of this or let's refine this. Perhaps that you may do a free thing that is strategic. Like maybe it's in front of your target audience. Maybe it's really legitimate free gig that has a lot of social proof. Like there are a lot of big name conferences that don't pay their breakout speakers, but they have a lot of social proof and the decision makers are in the room mm -hmm. attending the conference and they can bring you in for something. And mm -hmm. so in the beginning, you're a lot in strategy, but it still doesn't mean that you can't get paid. One of my members 
she booked a four-figure engagement on her very first ask because she was positioned, because she's specifically positioned to, to serve the people that she serves. And her old job reached out to her and said, did she know any speakers that does that do what she does? And she was like, actually me. And so <laughs> she actually me, you know, because she had she had been posting some some things. Mm-hmm. And so she was able to negotiate something with them. And it was her first time. So it's very much possible. But once you start to build that momentum, here's the problem that people you have to stop taking free. You got to start saying no to things that aren't aligned. So by the time you build momentum, you know who you are, you know what your work is, then you have to be like, actually, I'm not going to take anything under this trade anymore. I'm not going to take anything that's not my aligned audience anymore because that's going to create more space for more higher paying jobs and more aligned jobs. Because once you get, once you get popping, you're going to be really excited. It's going to be like, oh, I get these, these engagements are happening, but then you're going to get burned out. Because yeah. you're trying to do it all instead of really focusing on that audience and focusing on that mission. Mm. And you said you don't want to get burned out. So do you work with people who they speak full time or is this a facet of the business? And if it's a facet of the business, what percentage of their time are they allotting to speaking engagements versus everything else that they do? So this is a great question because this is something we talk about in the group a lot. So it mm-hmm. ranges. I have some people mm-hmm. who work nine to fives, good, good, clean jobs that are also building their thought leadership. And it's a unique balance because they know that their work is beyond whatever their whatever their title is. And they're starting to step in that, to that space. And what I tell them is that it's time to. And especially this is what's tricky when they're getting paid at a good job, they're they're not valuing themselves sometimes as speakers. And I'm like, this is your this is work, too. This is Mm -hmm. great that these people are asking you to speak. You have to get paid because when if you're putting a value on it and you're kind of you're looking at actually I can't take everything like. I, this is, this is work. It takes, it's almost like if you're speaking a lot is <laughs> and a lot of people, I don't know how they feel about this, but it's like kind of being an athlete. It takes so much energy to mm-hmm. speak consistently and to give that energy and to prepare and to work. And if you're doing multiple engagements a week, plus doing your job, it's a lot. And so you have to think like, what is the value, not only of what I'm offering, of my capacity, my sacrifice of, you know, me extending myself. And so usually the conversation is a lot about for those people, them needing to charge their worth and to start saying no to things that aren't aligned. I do have people who public, they are business owners or entrepreneurs and public speaking is a part of their greater mission and also a funnel to to, for their business. And so mm-hmm. it generates leads and it also grows their profile. And that's also a similar juggling act of where I should put my energy, but I'll say, and it, I mean, it's also convenient for me because speaking is my business, but I definitely generate way more leads speaking, just being in front of people than I do doing other stuff, <laughs> like all mm-hmm. the other, other things that you do. And so there's also like a, where do you put your energy? And then there's some people who are thought leadership is their job. And, and so they have a book and they have multiple things and speaking is their main business because it's the main thing that promotes everything that they do. And so usually those people need to put more energy and work into it because they're probably charging those premium rates by the time they've gotten to that stage. Oh, wow. Rhonda, you've given us so much, but do you have any kind of parting thoughts for someone who is now entering the thought leadership space? Where should they put their energy first? You start connecting with your audience. 
You don't have to, if you are aligned, and I will say the alignment sermon every time because it has been the best thing that has worked for me and the people I work with. Mm. If you are positioned as a speaker and you are continuously communicating with your audience, that means your content speaks to your target audience. That means whatever opportunities you choose speaks to your target audience. That means everything is there. Then the folks will find you. But do your inner work. Make sure your mission is really clear. Make sure you're targeting your audience. Make sure you're visible to them and consistent. And then you can start really starting to ask for those things that you absolutely want and deserve. Oh, I love that. So now for anyone who's interested in following you and learning from you, where can they find you? So I'm everywhere on social media at, at It's Simply Speech. I'm also on LinkedIn, Rhonda Khan. My website is simplyspeechsolutions.com. And if anybody wants to grow their thought leadership, get into public speaking and, and be that catalyst that they know they need to be, then they can join the Catalyst Academy, which is my 12-month incubator for women of color leaders. And the Catalyst Academy, you can find that at simplyspeechsolutions.com slash the Catalyst Academy. Love it. Thank you so much, Rhonda. I appreciate it. Thank you. This was a blast. Hi, Offscripters. I'm so glad you made it to the end of this episode. If you enjoy listening to our show, please pay it forward by sharing us with your network. Between episodes, you can find me on Instagram. Our handle is at She's Off Script, or you can catch up on past episodes at She's Off Script.com. See you on the next one.